previously on the Simply Human Podcast. Uh, versus, you know, having a shovel and going and digging a hole in your backyard and then covering it all back up when you're done. I'm not going to say I um, haven't done that, but, uh, you know, yeah. whatever. It's episode 15 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, that is plural, Mark Rogers and Rick Bentley, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, we talked to Dr. Richard Hansler, co-founder of LowBlueLights.com and an adjunct professor at John Carroll University. Then it's another hilarious edition of the Humans Being Humans segment, and we'll wrap it up, as always, with our Simply Human Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? I'm good. How are you? Things are good. Uh, I uh, I hope the uh, holiday treated you well. It did. Uh, you know, I, for the first time in my whole career, I've had I got uh, New Year's or I'm sorry, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off back to back, just wow. the way it worked out. So uh, we had a good time doing presents and you know doing the Christmas thing, and it was good times. Now with two boys, you probably didn't have something happen in your house that happened in my house with two girls and a boy but the two you know the boy is like two months so he doesn't know what's going yeah, on he, he's he just, doesn't count right he's now. just sitting there being human and pooping in his pants every yeah. like 30 minutes but uh my girls received from all the family from the cumulative total which is what cumulative means <laughs> 31 dolls whoa yeah it's just, it's ridiculous. And so I've got, I've got dolls and little doll, tiny little miniature shoes and crowns. Is this that, like the American girl stuff I keep seeing no, like all over Facebook? Well, a lot of it's the Disney princess. They each got like a seven doll set. So there's 14 right there. And then there's like all these other little dolls and castle things that they got. And so it's, of course, my, my gym has moved out into the garage and the gym is now a, a princess pink doll playroom. <laughs> So anyway, but well, you, you can like, and the next step is trying to get them like enrolled in some sort of like science class where they can learn how to bring all of them like Frankenstein, like bring them all of them to life, and you'll have like an army of dolls mm. like doing weird, creepy stuff around your house. Second good. thought, yeah, don't do that. That's yeah, okay, yeah, I, I I started to write that down, then I, I scratched that one out. <laughs> so uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, I know I'm not a big resolution guy, but uh, I am gonna floss every day. I'm and I'm, and I'm oh man, as yeah. we're recording this, it's on the sixth. Uh, so we are. Uh, I am six for six on uh, flossing every day. As am I, and I'll tell you, and I'm I'm being a hundred percent serious here. Uh, this might be the only six times I've ever flossed in my whole life. In a like row. Me, you know, every time you go to the dentist, the hygienist does it. But like, uh, this might be the only the first six times I've ever like, and it's it's so random. Like I've I don't remember the last time, so I'm six for six here. Did you have to like YouTube uh, how to floss uh, yes. your teeth? <laughs> yes, that's my story. I went to the grocery <laughs> store and I'm like looking at the floss. Where aisle. is the <laughs> floss? Is it and in with like, the car maintenance? <laughs> I was no like, idea. man, there are a lot of kinds of floss. I <laughs> thought there was only one, just a string. I don't know. So I go home and I was like. All right. I don't know how to do this at all. So I like YouTube a bunch of videos on how to floss, and I've been doing those. But the first day, uh, you know, I, I am noticing like slight changes. The first day, my mouth looked like the inside of like one of those Saw like horror movies. <laughs> just you smiled like, like you've been eating like pomegranate or something, like just bl- like like raspberries. All yeah, it in was your ever, mouth. it was not cool but like uh you know i flossed last night when i uh before i went to bed and it didn't look quite as horrific and 
quite as terrible. So, hey, we're making progress, right? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so that's that's sort of my resolution. And I, sort of my philosophy on resolutions is kind of, uh, you know, like, okay, you're at point A, and if you're not, if you don't look, feel, and perform like you want to, and you want to look, feel, and perform like this sort of abstract uh, point B, a version of yourself, like I'm sort of against like, okay, New Year's resolution, I'm going to do these like many, this myriad of unsustainable things by working yeah. out an hour every day and doing all these weird things and starving myself to get to point B. And then when I get to point B, I have to completely reinvent the wheel. And now I have to find out a whole new way to be the point B person instead of just being at point A and saying, okay, starting right now, whether it's January 1st or whenever, saying I'm going to do things that the person at point B would do and just do that. It may take a little bit longer than starvation and, and you know, like chronic exercise. But yeah. once you get to point B, you're already doing the things that that person was going to do in the first place. So you just keep doing what you're doing and there's no like sort of secondary mode of action. So that's yeah. kind of my thought. Well, it's kind of like my theory on resolutions. You have to pick something that's sustainable. Like you can't be like a five pack a day smoker if such a thing exists. And then, all right, New Year's first. New Year's first. I'm no more cigarettes. I'm throwing them in the trash can. That's my awesome. I, I love your voice. smoker voice. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah I, I was perfect. gonna. I was gonna say like that really did sound like for a second that you. I was gonna believe that you actually smoked five packs a day. That was amazing. It's been, you know, I'm, I'm down to like two, so you know, what are you going to do? But, you know, I, I've, I've really got three kind of main resolutions, and I don't know if you want to call them even resolutions or goals or whatever. One of them is the floss we've talked about. Nice. The other, the second one is, and you know me almost my whole life, I am a very picky eater, and which is, you know, uh, something I've been working on. In the last year, just recently, like within the last like eight months, I've started adding like, started eating eggs. Uh, and walnuts and almonds, like, you know, making incremental steps towards eating more foods. Well, to give the listener an idea, uh, when we were little, Rick would get like a hamburger with just the meat, right? Like oh, yeah, nothing. Meat and mustard. And that's it. Not, nothing else. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was his, that was his go-to. Kind of how I to be, like, I, I'll do lettuce and, to, lettuce and onion. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so some things, like things that I want to eat, and you don't understand the amount of, like, anxiety this causes me. I look at a jar of olives, and mm. everyone's like, olives, you know, what are you going to do? Everybody eats olives. Well, not everybody eats olives. <laughs> I, don't, I don't eat olives. I eat olive oil, like I'll eat olive oil and everything. But, like, when I look at a jar of olives, I'm like, I start getting, like, like thinking about the possibility of eating one, like, starts, and it's not just olives. It's just, like, all foods that, like, you know, new foods that I don't eat. Uh, that, that I start getting sweaty, and I start, like, <laughs> kind of freaking out. <laughs> And like, I told right my wife, like right before like, you, you're going to jump out of an airplane. It's that, that effect. No, it really is yeah. honestly exactly like that. When I ate a scrambled egg for the first time in my life, Man. it was like in April of last year, and I made it. I looked at a YouTube video. Thank you, YouTube. I love you very much. Scrambled on, eggs. On how to make scrambled eggs. I made one, and I sat on a plate and looked at it, and finally what get why I had to eat it was I was like, okay, just pretend like, uh, you know, you're dying of starvation in the Arctic Circle, and you have to eat this to sustain life. And I just like ate it real fast. And it's like, a penguin tried, egg. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, that uh, that really wasn't that terrible. So that's what it's going to be like when I eat an olive. But <laughs> like, uh, just an intense amount of anxiety. My wife joked that like, hey, before you eat this olive, you're going to have to like, you know, take a Xanax and have like four or five scotches, and then you can eat the olive. But I was like, then I won't remember what it tasted like if it's good. But Olives, these are the two things that, like, I want to integrate 
in the next 30 days by February 1st, and I'll keep you updated on this. God, I'm so lame. Olives yep. and mushrooms. Okay. Those two things. Right, like the pharmacist is going to like be filling your prescription for Xanax, and she's going to be like, oh, did you, uh, did you lose a family member, or are you being shipped overseas? And you're going to be like, no, uh, I'm eating olives tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's, that's resolution two is, you know, and that's Expand. sustainable. That's doable. Yep, I can yep. do that in like the next month. Yeah. Uh, resolution three, and this is really more of like a goal than a resolution. I mean, if you if you read on the website, go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com, and you see my initial kind of column or whatever. Yes, I was going to mention that on the Food for Thought tab. Rick is going to be a guest writer. Really, basically, like whenever you write anything, we hadn't really talked about this, but yeah. now whenever you write anything, like I'll just post it immediately. So, yeah, okay. you have free oh. reign. Cool. And I usually get some good writing done in the middle of the night if it's real slow at work, uh, and I'm not fighting crime. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm fighting crime and working very hard all the time, never working on personal projects. But, uh, you know, I, I would like to say that, you know, read the column for, for more in-depth explanation. I'm evolving into this, like, embracing the this, this simply human lifestyle that, that, that you talk about, Mark. And I would like to say that I'm like, uh, oh, I'm 95% compliant with eating that way. Eh, it's really more like probably 65 or 70 percent because you know i like pizza and stuff like that you know and and i've had not like a hard time letting go but like really just kind of a hard time staying you know kind of true to all this and as i've gone and eaten like this with you i realize it's really not a chore it's not like a traditional diet where like you know oh, okay you'll never have you know sweets again or anything like that you know it's 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 a sustainable way it's a satisfying way of eating and so, and kind of a mix of that, and plus I, I listened to, to Vinny Tordridge's podcast. In 2013, he said, no sugars, no grains at all, period. No, no uh, you know, small treats here and there. No, what he calls putting life in a living. And I was like, you know, if he can do that for an entire year, I can do that for an entire month. Right. And it, it really hasn't been difficult. I've been doing it since, you know, the beginning of the month, you know, six days ago. I don't feel, you know, I'm obviously not hungry and I don't feel deprived or anything like that. But it's really more of like an, kind of an experiment. I need to see it myself. Like if, you know, by the end of January, I mean, I'm sleeping better, I'm feeling better, I have more energy, stuff like that. That That's kind of my like loose hypothesis, what's going to come out from this. But like, you know, that's, you have to see the results to understand. And so, you know, I need to see the results 100% to understand. So I'm going, you know, no, like, uh, oh, it's been, you know, I've been pretty good on it for a week or two. I'll, you know, have a slice of pizza. No, nope, nothing at all. And we'll see exactly how I feel. And oddly enough, I forgot to tell you about this. I just had a, I took a blood test earlier today. I had a physical in November for my, my city requires me to do one. And the doctor wanted me to do my blood work. And I just never got around to it till today. So we have kind of like a baseline when I get the results back, basically. Like, I'll know where I was now. And then I can do another one at the end of the month and cool. see you know, kind of where oh, I am. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. So you have, that's a great indicator of, yeah. uh, of what's going on inside. So cool. So yeah, we'll definitely keep track of uh, those resolutions and we will keep flossing and eating olives and mushrooms and all that kind of good stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> mushrooms and olives. All right. Well, uh, you can find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Rick mentioned the website earlier. Uh, there are also links to the Facebook page and YouTube channel and the Simply Human Kids page there. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52. And you can email questions, concerns, comments to simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. So without further ado, here's Dr. Richard Hansler and our conversation about artificial lights, melatonin, and cancer risk. 
circadian rhythms, rapid eye movement, memory loss, the efflux software, pregnancy and babies, depression, and Ambien. Here's Dr. Hanslick. Joining me today on the Simply Human podcast, I am thrilled to, to welcome Dr. Richard Hansler, who spent 42 years as a senior scientist at the world-renowned GE Nella Park Lightning Laboratory, where he was instrumental in the development of several lightning techniques and applications. Very cool stuff. He retired from there in 1996 and formed the Lighting Innovations Corporation, which has received well over a million dollars in funding from federal agencies that you've probably heard of, like the Federal Aviation Administration and, oh, NASA. Dr. Hansler holds a doctorate in physics from Ohio State University, and he's right now he's an adjunct physics professor at John Carroll University. His work has won 86 patents, with more currently pending his book, Great Sleep, Reduced Cancer, is one that I'm currently reading, and I bought his other book, Pregnant, New Baby, Need Sleep, for my pregnant sister-in-law, and he has another book called Heroes of Cancer, Prevention Research. Quite a bio, all, and all those books can be found on Amazon and at lowbluelights.com or anywhere books are sold. Dr. Hansler, it really is an honor to have you on the show today. Welcome. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. I welcome the opportunity to let more people know about the problems that can happen if you use light at the wrong time of day. Right, and this is something that uh, this isn't... Uh, I was having lunch with someone today, and he was asking me about this, and uh, it's kind of like the whole barefoot running thing, and, and my listeners always hear me say this. Uh, you know, The barefoot running isn't some new, innovative idea. It's just how we did things until Nike made a running shoe in 1970. So it's not... It's kind of going back. So the first question I'm going to ask you is that, you know, lots of people think that it's the industrialization of food and the sedentary lifestyle that we that we lead now that's caused the health decline in our country. But if you look, something else that happened about the same time as those other trends started to happen is the, the introduction of artificial light. And then look what's happened. And so uh, in your book, you know, you, you mentioned that up until... Uh, fire, you know, there was the sun, the moon, the stars was the natural light, and even fire, flames, torches, candles have that sort of uh, natural orange glow. Then you get into the artificial light, and and what's happened uh, since then? Well, you put your finger on something that most people don't know about, and that is that uh, uh, the body responds to light in different ways depending on the color of the light. And... uh, It wasn't until the year 2001 that it was discovered that the body responds much more strongly to blue light than to the other colors in the spectrum. And in fact, uh, the uh, light that uh, controls the so-called internal clock or circadian clock uh, it's controlled by light, but primarily by blue light. And when we evolved, we had 12 hours of light and 12 hours of dark. And uh, uh, now we have much less time spent in darkness. The average American only spends six, seven, eight hours at the most in uh, in darkness. And uh, this has had a profound effect on the health and the ability to sleep both. The uh, first thing I should mention uh, in answer to your question is that uh, in the early days of lighting, uh, when we had uh, 
gas lamps or kerosene lamps, they basically had a flame, and the flame was mostly yellow or amber-colored light, a very little blue light. And it wasn't until the invention of the most recent light sources, like the uh, compact fluorescent and the LED lights, that the lights that we had in our houses contained a lot of blue light. The um, the original incandescent lights, like the carbon filament and then the tungsten filament incandescent lamps, have much less blue in them than the more modern ones, like the fluorescent and the LED. And so the trend is toward uh, lighting that has more and more blue in it. And uh, to take it even one step further, the... Uh, light that is used to illuminate the screens on our portable um, or mobile devices like the iPads and the iPhones and the computer screens and the ordinary television screens all have a lot of blue light. And it's uh, this response of the body to this blue light that is what has changed over the last more like 50 years, because the first 50 years of the lighting revolution, we had only incandescent lamps, and they weren't too bad, and uh, it's only in the last uh, 40 or 50 years that we've had the light sources that are creating a, a problem. And uh, can kind of uh, go into detail, what are some of the problems uh, that the uh, artificial light uh, has has created for us? Well, it uh, is the effect on the body that I just mentioned. Um, it turns out in, that the eye has two different kinds of sensors, really three different kinds of sensors. Uh, the rods and the cones that everybody knows about are the ones that create vision. But there's another kind of a sensor in the eye that controls the internal clock. And it really has nothing to do with vision. The uh, nerve fibers from these sensors that re respond most strongly to the blue light don't go to the visual cortex of the brain, but rather go to the part of the brain that is uh, uh, controlling the internal clock. And the way that works is all living things have some kinds of internal clocks and uh, the what happens is when your eyes in the morning receive light especially blue light this resets the circadian clock and 12 hours later your body will start producing melatonin melatonin is the hormone that helps you sleep and uh, uh, this is what happens if you're in darkness when the uh, 12 hours are over. But if your eyes are in light, this will prevent your pineal gland from making melatonin. So that's where the problem with the artificial lighting comes in. Most of us are exposed to artificial light in the evening, and this stops the body from producing melatonin. Uh, we believe that... Uh, the effect of the light is really two things. If you expose your eyes to light, 
during the night, for example, does two things. It shuts off your melatonin, but it also resets the circadian clock or internal clock. And uh, this has a, a double negative effect on your body. It, uh, uh, For example, if you expose your eyes when you get up to go to the bathroom during the night, and if you expose your eyes to bright light, it will do both of these things. It will both shut off your supply of melatonin and upset your circadian clock, reset it. And uh, that means that when you go back to bed, you may have trouble going to sleep. And the following night, when your body should start making melatonin, it may think that it's a different time of day since you've been messing with this clock. Now, uh, in your research, uh, you have done lots of studies and read lots of studies that have shown that melatonin, as everybody knows or might know, it is just the sleep hormone, like, oh, it helps me sleep. What I didn't realize is that melatonin also does something else, and it, it helps fight cancer. Can you talk about that uh, a little bit? Yes, melatonin is a fantastic hormone. It's probably the most interesting hormone, or at least one of the most interesting hormones in the body. It has so many different functions, and one of the functions, as you mentioned, is to fight cancer. It uh, fights cancer in about four different ways. It interferes, for example, with the uh, effect that estrogen has on cancer. Estrogen is a stimulant for many kinds of cancer, especially breast cancer and uh, uh, ovarian cancer uh, are both strongly stimulated by estrogen. And melatonin blunts the effect of estrogen. Uh, It also is a powerful antioxidant and uh, it avoids the bad effect of radiation, for example, which has a tendency to uh, cause mutations in the genes. And uh, its antioxidant effect is uh, used in fighting that effect, that way of of, uh, generating cancer. And so it's a very powerful cancer fighter. And um, the place where we first found out about that benefit of of melatonin is in a study that was done of nurses that had worked for many years on the night shift. And uh, we know that the nurses that work night shift don't have as much melatonin as the rest of us. And uh, uh, it was found that they had about double the incidence of breast cancer as nurses that did not work night shift. And uh, other studies uh, have been made in which uh, cancers have been grown on the backs of, uh, of animals and uh, but fed with human blood. And when the blood contains melatonin, the cancers don't grow. But if the blood does not contain melatonin, it, the cancers grow rapidly. And as a result of those experiments, the uh, International Agency on, uh, uh, that controls, that it's a committee of the World Health Organization, that committee uh, reclassified um, night shift work 
that suppresses melatonin as a probable carcinogen. So uh, that was done a number of years ago already, and uh, most people aren't aware of that. Yeah, it's interesting. And one other thing I learned from your book was that uh, another thing that kind of tipped off some of the researchers was that uh, blind people weren't having as much cancer uh, incidence of cancer as well. And so they, they were thinking maybe that was because of the melatonin uh, secretion isn't disrupted by the artificial light. That's right. That is one of the interesting observations that uh, blind women have about half the incidence of breast cancer as women with normal vision. But in, uh, in even subsequent uh, study that was done by Dr. Sharon Hammer at uh, Harvard, uh, she looked at blind women and discovered there were two kinds of blind women, those whose vision was, uh, not only their vision was was absent, but also the ability to control the circadian rhythm. For example, if the retinas are no longer uh, in, in place, uh, then the person is totally blind. But if they still have their eyes uh, and the damage to their vision is in, perhaps in the brain, uh, the people that still observe a circadian rhythm. So there are these two types of blind women. And what she found was that the ones that still had a circadian rhythm uh, had about double the rate of breast cancer as those that were totally blind. And it was thought because they still had this rhythm, they also uh, were subject to the suppression of melatonin. And that uh, therefore the uh, women that were out melatonin had about double the rate of breast cancer as those that were making melatonin uh, in a maximum fashion. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I'll tell you um, sort of how I do things at night, and then you sort of give me your feedback on on my strategy. Now, of course, this time of year when the sun goes down at like three in the afternoon. It's a little bit harder. Uh, so what we do, I've got uh, two girls, four and three, and then I've got a seven-week-old son, and of course my wife. And so what we do after dinner, so usually around seven o'clock, if it's if it's already dark, which it is this time of year, I will sort of simulate a sunset where I will, will light a bunch of candles. I have some some candle lanterns. We have a lot of tea lights and orange-colored lights. Uh, Night lights from from lowbluelights.com, bulbs from lowbluelights.com. Uh, I have the little nine volt battery flashlight, which I love, um, and I put on my orange glasses. The whole deal, and so we do bath time, snack time, story time, all that, only illuminated by you know natural light or uh, the orange light. And so that's kind of how we do it. Uh, is that do you think that's a, a good strategy, or would you do anything different? It's an excellent strategy. The um the benefit of maximizing melatonin uh, and we've been talking about is uh, not only a reduced rate of, of cancer, but also uh, the, the body it takes a lot of benefit from the melatonin in terms of the uh, condition of the immune system and the uh, circulatory and, and heart. Uh, those are all benefited by having as much melatonin as you can get. 
studies show that the human body can make melatonin for around 12 hours a night, but only if you're using uh, the right kind of lights like you are with your family uh, or if you are in darkness. And uh, most people don't want to stay in darkness for 12 hours a night. Right. I also wear a, a sleep mask from the uh, mindfold.com, which I'm a big proponent of. And I was going to ask you, let, let's say, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to bed or something or anybody that wears this, this sleep mask is going to bed. So to their eyes, it is completely blacked out. There's no light coming in, but they're still in a, a dimly lighted room or their spouse is watching TV or looking at their phone. Does that, does the light permeate? you know, through the skin or anything, or does it have to go through the eyes? Or are you safe, you know, wearing the sleep mask if there's artificial light around you? A mask over the eyes is a a good idea if you're in a situation you describe. And uh, the only concern with uh, having other people uh, listening to TV or something is the audio might uh, influence the depth of sleep even if you're blocking out all the light. Okay, okay. Um, And, like, what are, I guess, what is the ideal night of sleep? I know there are different uh, cycles of sleep, and you obviously want to get as much sleep as you can before midnight, but is there, you know, ideally for me, I know I feel the best when I go to sleep. I don't dream a whole lot. If If I have vivid dreams, I know that I'm not sleeping well. Um and then to wake up maybe before your alarm goes off or like how, what how would you de- what would you describe as being sort of an ideal uh, night of sleep well studies have shown that uh by maximizing melatonin the time to get into deep sleep is reduced uh compared to not having melatonin present when you go to bed so that um and it's thought that the time spent in deep sleep is the most beneficial. The so-called REM sleep, REM, rapid eye movement sleep, is not as restful. And um, uh, But at the other hand, they think that there may be some other things like improving memory may occur during that phase. And... Uh, so that the different phases of sleep come and go about four, five, six times a night, and it's thought that the uh, the going back and forth is beneficial. That uh, if one stayed in deep sleep the whole night, it probably would not be as good for you as as coming in and out of sleep a bit in these so-called cycles. Right. Now, uh, what do you say to people that, you know, maybe hear you talk or read a book and, you, and you're talking to them and they're going, well, I, you know, I live in modern world. There's no way I'm going to be able to cut out artificial light. So what is your sort of strategy or your protocol to help get uh, back on track uh, as far as getting, getting uh, timed back in with your circadian clock? Well, one of the important things is to have as much as possible a regular time for going to bed and for getting up. And I know for many people that have complicated lives that that's impossible, but that's certainly a goal is as much as possible to have a steady pattern for getting up and for going to bed. 
And if you go into bed, it's not as important as when you go into darkness or when you create virtual darkness by going into a, a room lighted with the orange light bulbs or by putting on the uh, glasses that block blue light. We recommend that if people, when people go to bed, is not as important as trying to put on the glasses at the same time every evening and of trying to wake up and exposing your eyes to light at about the same time every morning. If you can do those two things, it will do a great deal for stabilizing your circadian rhythm and for maximizing your supply of melatonin. Now, um, a lot of people are going to be going, okay, uh, I can see where that's sort of making sense. Now let me go find some some glasses. Now, other than lowbluelights.com, uh, can people, can you know, are these, is it any sort of orange tinted glasses or does it have to have a special frame or a, a lens? Or, you know, I know like the sporting clay glasses, those orange glasses, uh, a lot of, I live in West Texas, so just about anybody that I talk to is going to have some sporting clay glasses laying around somewhere. Will, the, will those work? Well, there are all kinds of glasses of different colors around, and uh, uh, all I can say is that we know that the ones that we are providing uh, do block the blue light that suppresses melatonin. And the ones that other people make, some of them might be okay, but um, many of them are sunglasses, which are not really appropriate for wearing at night. They're just too dark, and... uh, they may block the blue light, but they also block the other colors, and therefore you can't really enjoy your evening as you can with our glasses. Our glasses only block the blue light and uh, and let the other colors come through so you can carry on your normal evening activities. The so-called blue blockers that are sold a lot um, are sunglasses, and they do block the blue light, but they also block all the other colors to a certain extent and are too dark to really work well in the evening if you want to read a book or work on a computer or whatever. Right. Um, Now, I just had this thought because I know a lot of people, you know, were like, well, I'm not wearing these goofy-looking glasses at night. That's that's, that's not going to happen. Have there been uh, any tests or uh, any development of maybe some of these orange contact lenses? Well, we did approach one of the companies that uh, makes contract lenses, but at the time they were in a problem with, uh, it was Bausch & Lomb that make the uh, fluid that uh, people use to clean their lenses and so on, and they had a problem with that, and they were so busy working on that problem that they uh, never really followed up with us. But I I think that is a possibility. The uh, problem would be with most people wouldn't want to take the contact lenses in and out uh, that frequently. And uh, to wear them all day long, I think, is not recommended because they wouldn't get the the resetting effect that I've been talking about early in the morning. We want blue light early in the morning. In fact, GE has been doing some experiments with... uh, lights that have extra blue that they use in nursing homes to try and keep the uh, residents wide awake during the daytime so the 
sleep better at night. Right. Um, do you have any? Uh, did you have any input in that the software that you can download? Um, I think it's called. Uh, it's, I know it's Flux. It's like F period L U X. Um, the website is justgetflux.com, and I mentioned it in a previous show. Do you know anything about that? Can you speak one way or another on the uh, the efficacy of, of that uh, software? Yes. Uh, originally, it uh, provided a limited uh, range of adjustment of the color of, of the uh, TV or computer screen. They were able to vary the color a little bit, but uh, recently they came up with software that allows you to go completely to the red. And um, the uh, typically the screens have what they call red, green, blue sources, and uh, the efflux will shut off the the original one only shut off the blue, and there was still enough blue in the green LED or phosphor that uh, it was still damaging. But the modern version of Eflux now allows you to turn off both the blue and the green and have only the red, so that uh, I think that probably is effective. Great. Yeah, I, I downloaded it on my computer uh, my personal computer, and I'm going to get it on my wife's uh, computer as well. So, uh, and then you can also do it on your iPad and your iPhone. And and actually, I was going to uh, ask you to sort of talk about the creation of LowBlueLights.com and sort of some of the products that you have. I know I have, I think, just about everything that you sell on that website. I have in my house in some in some way. So, can you just sort of talk about the uh, the genesis of LowBlueLights.com? Well, we do have. Uh talking about the screens of mobile devices like iPads and iPhones, we do have filters that one can buy to put over the screen during the evening to block the blue light. And we also sell uh, for large flat screen TVs. We uh, have uh, the same material uh, is available uh, for the large screens as well. And we also have for uh, computers a uh, a hard plastic filter that one can buy if that would suit your purposes better. So we have that as well as, and we have a low blue light flashlight that you mentioned. It's a nice little thing to have if you're going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Don't have to worry about it upsetting your melatonin or your circadian clock. And, uh, of course, we have the glasses and we have the light bulbs. Now, how did you start LowBlueLights.com? And uh, was it kind of one of those deals where you're seeing a need for some stuff and there just wasn't any out there? So how how did that come about? Well, we discovered in uh, 2005 that uh, this business about the nurses having double the uh, cancer rate as nurses that hadn't worked night shift and felt we needed to do something about it, so we uh, set about developing light bulbs that don't make blue light and uh, uh, developing eyeglasses that would block the blue light in order to try and keep people healthy, and uh, we've been selling them now since 2005, 
on a website that is owned by a spinoff company. We and, didn't think it would be proper for the university to sell the product. And uh, one of the ways, uh, actually the way that I found you guys was through uh, Dave Asprey and the Bulletproof Exec. He actually sells the nightlights from your your nightlights on his website. And so that's where I kind of right. found it. They're actually cheaper at lowbluelights.com. Uh, just putting a little plug in there for y'all. Um, but I've got two of those and my mother-in-law bought some and we just... Uh, we have those all over the place, and I, I bought my my uh, sister in law is pregnant. She's doing in March, so it's perfect. I got her the basic nursery package from your website, which comes with a bulb of your book, um, uh, uh, one of the night lights, some glasses, your choice of, of you know four or five different types of glasses. So uh, there's just lots of different things on that website that I think are really easy to go to. You don't have to make some huge change. I mean, it's a matter of if if you decide that you want to try to get better sleep and be more healthy, it's like put on some glasses for a couple hours a day, you know, and, and expose yourself to bright light during the day. And it's not really that complicated. Um, so yeah, the, the four pillars of the simply human lifestyle are eat like a human, move like a human, enjoy life like a human and sleep like a human. Cause if you're, if you're eating good and you're, and you're uh, moving like a human should move and you're enjoying life and you're happy, and you're not sleeping good, well, then all those other things aren't going to work together to help you be more healthy. I mean, there's, it's, a, it's kind of an all or nothing deal. So people really need to be uh, more, uh, I guess, intentional about their sleep. And one of the things that amazes me is that I went my whole life until recently thinking that the full moon and the new moon and the moon cycle was just like a picture you're looking at in the sky. Like, oh, it's a full moon. And then it, it can affect the ocean on the earth. But like that I thought that it didn't affect me. And and so sort of kind of realizing that, that there are there is a cycle out there, a daily cycle, a monthly cycle, a yearly cycle, that, that if we're not tapped into, uh, there can be some, some consequences down the line. Yeah, one of the things we haven't talked about yet that I'd like to mention, and because it's so important, uh, you mentioned your, your relative uh, being pregnant. Uh, pregnant women have a special problem, a, a special way to get into trouble, in that uh, when you become pregnant, you frequently define, dis, discover, perhaps for the first time, that you can't go all night long without getting up. And uh, so when many women, when they get up during the light to go to the bathroom, which they have an urgent need to uh, discover, they turn on a, an ordinary light, and uh, this, of course, kills their melatonin and upsets their circadian cycle. And uh, as a result of this, uh, if you do this uh, night after night, uh, you may begin to become depressed. And depression during pregnancy is serious, but the worst thing about it is that it's a precursor or something that will increase the probability of having postpartum depression, uh, depression after the baby arrives. And that can have very serious consequences, not only for the mother, but for the baby and for the husband and uh, society at large. Some of the women with postpartum depression have done horrible things to their children. And in any event, it takes the pleasure out of what should be a very happy time. And that's why I wrote the book, uh, Pregnant, New Baby, 
need sleep to uh, instruct women who are pregnant about how they can avoid this problem. And then after and, uh, the baby is born, you also need to, you know, you don't want to go change a diaper in the middle of the night and turn on all the all the, the white artificial lights, right? Right. That's why we provide a nursery lamp uh, that doesn't have blue light so that the baby is not adversely affected during the night when the mother goes in there to take care of it. Um, I should mention one other thing of a special about the circadian cycle. Um, the baby will receive the mother's melatonin uh, while it's in her womb and also after the, the baby is born. If the mother is nursing the baby, her melatonin will appear in her breast milk. And uh, so if the baby develops a circadian cycle in sync with the mother uh, during pregnancy, after the baby arrives, that can continue. And this will help uh, the baby to sleep better during the night, and it will be in synchronization with the mother's uh, production of melatonin as well. So by main, developing a strong circadian cycle during pregnancy, avoiding interrupting it by exposing the eyes to light at night, both the mother and baby will have a strong circadian cycle, which can continue then after the baby is born if she uh, nurses the baby. That's really interesting. And so in your opinion, I've got a, a relative who... You know, whenever he can, he'll sleep. You know, sometimes until noon, if if it'll if it counts for if he can, uh, and then we'll we'll stay up till you know midnight, one, two, three in the morning with the seventy-two inch TV on as bright as it'll go, with all the lights on, looking at his phone, and he's showing some signs of depression. Do you think those two things are connected? Uh, very definitely. There's a lot of evidence that the lack of a strong circadian rhythm. Uh, tends to favor the development of depression. And then, uh, in fact, there have been a number of papers on that subject that, uh, uh, that relate to this lack of a, a good, strong rhythm. What What is Ambien, and how does it work in the body, and, then, and why is it not a great solution to, to sleep? I don't know the exact uh, mechanism by which it works. Uh, I do know that it has a lot of side effects that are detrimental. Uh, people uh, report doing really outrageous things under the when they think they're sleeping. Uh, this eating at night is one of the really bad things. The other is uh, driving while under the influence. That's more common in some states. Uh, than driving under the influence of alcohol. And it's equally dangerous because a person is obviously not in good control. Uh, so that's the downside of Ambien. I don't know that if there is an upside. Uh, I guess if all else fails, maybe that's the appropriate thing. But uh, we think it's much better to maximize your own melatonin and... Uh, uh, enjoy good sleep in that way. Right. Now, uh, we're coming up on time here, and I wanted to ask you something that I've asked every guest that's been on the Simply Human podcast, and you can kind of take off the uh, 
the doctor hat and the sleep expert hat if you want to to answer this question. It can be about anything. It just uh, personally, uh, what is one thing that you enjoy about life in particular, or or something that you do to make life more enjoyable? Well, there's always sex. <laughs> that that is the some reason correct to think answer. That melatonin helps that as well. That is probably my the fa- my favorite answer uh, that I've ever gotten on that uh, on that question. So uh, well do- well done. But uh, Dr. Hanser, I, I really appreciate your sharing your time and your expertise with us. And I will email you. Uh, and hopefully we can uh, continue to, to collaborate on some things and uh, I will continue spreading the word on your books and your research and your products and try to help people uh, start getting as healthy as they possibly can. So thank you for your time. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I mean, we're really more interested in trying to help people sleep better and have a healthier life than we are in making a lot of money. Yep, I'm, I'm with you on that one for sure. So have a good day, and hopefully we'll have you back on uh, the show at a future time. Great. All right, thank you, Dr. Hansler. Hopefully we'll have him back on, and you can find him and his products online at lowbluelights.com, and I really do have just about everything that they're selling uh, I am on board with and we're actually trying to team up with something adding some new products to the website as well so check out lowbluelights.com so now it's time for the humans being human segment and this week is just sort of a compilation of several of the uh, uh, guests we've had in in prior shows and the humans being human stories maybe a little too short to use for like the full segment we're gonna kind of i think i've got two or three of them that we're gonna throw together uh so hopefully you will enjoy this humans being human segment all right this first one is a story from jason seib author of the paleo coach can be found at eplifefit.com and i'll uh, have a link to that in the show notes okay so yeah so cooper Cooper Driscoll, he is um, Deb, who in my book, and, and uh, she's actually one of my trainers now. She's just a, a, a monster in the gym and an awesome lady and, and uh, done some amazing things. And She's a big influence on a lot of people out there. Well, her son, Cooper, uh, has been training with me, and he's, he's, uh, he's only 24 years old. He's a younger guy, he's, but he's, I took him on as my own workout partner. I, I kind of you know, need somebody to help motivate me, too. Yeah, I've heard you talk about him and, on the podcast before. Okay, so that makes sense yeah. who that is, yeah. Yeah, so he's been around for training with me for a long time, and he actually was a member of my gym like in the first six months that we opened. He was there, and then he was influence, influential in getting his mom into the gym. And um, one of the, the things that I wrestle with the most in my career, and I think all of us that are actually trainers do, is that um, the benefits to women for uh for for fat loss are much higher in lifting weights than they are in huffing and puffing so we get all of our women really strong we're always constantly trying to get them you know lifting big weights getting them really strong but their fear is that they're going to look like men and i'm constantly arguing with them that uh you know you've never seen an oprah show in which there was uh you know a woman on there going, you know, crying. She's a gigantic woman crying, going, I didn't listen and I look like a man now and I can't go back. I mean, that doesn't exist. And then I always ask these women, how many of those big, gigantic bodybuilders that you've seen in magazines or on TV, how many of those big, gigantic women have you ever seen in life? Most of them have never even seen one. And I'm like, yeah, they're that rare. You know, and these women are doing so much to try to get that way. 
Well, one day we were in the gym and we had a class uh, going on and it was probably a dozen women and Cooper and Cooper was the only one and somebody, only guy and somebody happened to point that out that Cooper was the only one in there. And um, I don't know <laughs> why this came to me, but I just blurted out, see ladies, Cooper is living proof that living, lifting weights won't you look like a man. <laughs> and so I've been writing on that joke now for about three years. And this is the first time I've ever told it on a podcast. Oh, poor Cooper. <laughs> All right. That was Jason. And now we'll hear a funny story from the great Ben Greenfield of bengreenfieldfitness.com. And I'll also have links to his uh, stuff and website in the show notes as well. So enjoy this story from Ben. All right. So, um, I did an internship at Duke University in their sports performance and sports medicine program, and I was really getting into triathlon. This was uh, obviously in North Carolina at the what, time. What year and, was this? Um, I was I was doing a typical internship where you know I was I was working hard during the day uh, in the biomechanics section of their lab, and you know partying at night and kind of burning the candle on both ends and. Um, also training for triathlon, and I remember one day on which I was particularly tired and, and hung over and just not not in a good place mentally <laughs> i i went into the gym to get my swim in i walked into the locker room got all prepped and uh swung open the door to the pool and meandered out to the pool and you know did my shoulder swings and arm swings and got ready to hop in the water and kind of adjusted my swim cap and my oh. goggles and Got all ready to swim and looked down, and I had completely uh, forgotten to put on my speedo. I knew it. So I knew that's where that was buck, going. Walked <laughs> naked on the edge of the pool, and uh, so I'm like, "Oh shoot! What do I do now? Do I jump in and just kind of pretend nothing happened and just swim? Um, naked? Yeah. Do I turn around, walk back into the locker room? And were there other so people I, around? I mean, was it a crowded? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And no one like yeah. said, you know, like, there's a lot of guys walking around in speedos, and you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really shave my man bits and so you know see i would have i would have been tipped off unless someone was actually really staring at my crotch you know (laughs) maybe you know i was keeping my fingers crossed that maybe it went unnoticed (laughs) so i just kind of walked back into the locker room uh, casually as if as though nothing had happened and uh, put back on my my speedo and walked back out and did my swim um and you know i don't i don't really know how many people actually uh Saw or noticed. So but, no one but, ever said you know, anything? For me, like... it was certainly the, uh, the elephant in the room, so to speak. And <laughs> nobody said anything. Nope. Nobody, nobody ever said anything. See, so that's, Yeah, that's crazy. That, think, uh, uh, yeah, I think I got lucky. I would have gotten tipped, tipped off pretty quickly by all the giggling that, that would have been, you know, mm. like, what, why is everyone... Why is everyone giggling so so loud? Oh, right. Yeah. It's because of the elephant in the room. Oh, wait. No, yes. the baby elephant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I wasn't in the cold shower. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you for everyone that uh, contributed to the Humans Being Human segment today. It's now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week, and it's something you can start doing right now to be a more healthy human. And this week, the tip is become more random. And that sounds sort of weird, but I'm currently reading a book by Nassim Taleb called Anti-Fragile, which is blowing my mind. And I would recommend anybody and everyone to read this book. It is incredible. It's about things that gain from disorder. And that the more we try and control something and make it predictable, the more fragile it becomes. Like the banking system is a good example of, of this. Uh, but it applies in every domain of life. The natural order of things is for there to be stress and recovery 
where the stress is information and beneficial and, and uh, it's something to learn from rather than something that kills you. So eliminating discomfort and randomness will only lead to large catastrophic stressors down the line instead of letting, letting them come at you bit by bit in small manageable chunks. It's a big idea. The point is be more random, eat at different times, eat different things, go a different way to work or for your walk, break your routines, practice adapting and being flexible, see stress and mistakes as information and something to benefit from rather than something that hurts you more than it benefits you. So be a doer, not a theorist, be more random and become better for it. Rick, thoughts on the tip of the week? Well, that, the, the title of that book might as well be the anti-Rick because like <laughs> that is, you know, that's something that I've often thought and I do really poorly. I'm and such a routine oriented and, you know, you've seen what I eat, like on work days, I eat the exact same thing at the exact same time. And, you know, it just, and a part of it is because, you know, it's easy to not have to think about something like that, but I've been, you know, it's good to think about things. It's good to, to, to change things up like that, to, to be more random and things like that, you know, just mitigating stress is the hardest to me, the most abstract concept of, you know, kind of being healthy in the simply human lifestyle is, and anything you can do that will help bolster your, yourself against, you know, these massive stressors uh, is anything, anything you can do is good for it. And I think you gave me an example when we were talking before we recorded this, you know, if you drop a 2000 pound rock on somebody's head from a foot above them, it's going to kill them. But if you break down that 2,000 pound rock into 2,000 little teeny tiny rocks and you drop them on top of somebody's head from a foot, I mean, it's going to be annoying. I mean, it's going to, you know, but it's not going to kill them. And so. Yeah, not, not as, as long as you do it, uh, you know, over time and not just drop the, the small <laughs> chunks. Just a huge sack. Rick, so it's the exact same Rick thing. said this wouldn't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that I'm glad to hear that you're not reading, uh, you know, teenage uh, vampire books and stuff like that. Now that you're back <clears throat> in like the the realm of uh, <laughs> informational yeah, of, books, of books that don't make me weep and wish that one this one girl would love this one guy instead of this other guy. Why can't you see they're put on Earth for each other? <laughs> but uh, that's you know that may, that's probably going to be the next um, uh, next book I read. I'll, cool. I'll go with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. It's one that I'm I'm highlighting more than I'm reading. It's taking me forever to read it, but it's a, it's a good one. I love Wait, books. Highlighting? Like Are you reading like an actual book with pages? Uh, no, or? I'm highlighting with my finger on a Kindle. So thank nerd you very much. Me. Nerd alert. I say nerd, but like I, that's how I read books too is on yeah, a Kindle. We're all nerds at heart. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, to this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. Coming up next time on the 14th, it's blogger, author, and movement expert Katie Bowman. And this is a conversation that I cannot wait to share with everybody. I'm really excited and, and, uh, and just thrilled that Katie uh, and I were able to connect and, and talk. Uh, it's just a great, great uh, piece of information. So check us out online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com Facebook page, YouTube channel, all linked there and I need to do more on the YouTube channel, speaking of the YouTube channel, uh, the Simply Human Kids page is also linked on the site uh, follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52 email con uh, concerns questions, comments at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com please leave a review, good or bad any publicity is good publicity so uh, Rick, any final parting thoughts? And you got this last time to me. I, I didn't think about final final parting thoughts. I was like, oh, what? So <laughs> did no you almost thoughts. say final farting thoughts? <laughs> did I really say that? You almost did. You said okay. final and then changed it. But it would have been more funny if you had said it. Uh, I have no final farting thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> me and you, we just cannot get through a whole one of these without fart jokes or fart noises or pants moving stories or whatever. Yes. It's what makes us what we are, you yes, know? Yes, yes. 
So it's completely uninteresting with a show with tens of listeners. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember... Well, there's always sex. (laughs) (laughs) So until next time, enjoy yourself.